Heist debut to breaking down the middle. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown. Today's show, Oilers win a tough game against Detroit. Return to the solid defensive play that has them 26-0 in their last 26 games. And, and by the way, nine wins in a row, tying the franchise record. Wow. Is this the year our friend Stanley visits? It'll be the first time since 1990. And it would be the anniversary of the 1984 first Stanley Cup victory. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in stock 2023 GMC in Buick. Drop by and ask for details. All right. Our guest today, Steve Lansky, Tyler Uremchuk. Declinations with our friend Jack Declan. Uh, text or call us at one 401 on Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. Busy day. I had a I was talking to one of our guests and I asked him if he wanted to go somewhere and he said, Yeah, I do. And he told me why. And I'm pretty excited about it because I think it's gonna be an interesting show. Uh and we uh, will talk in a in a minute about Robin Brownlee, who after the show yesterday, we find out, along with John Short yesterday, uh, had passed away. So that is also part of our show, and I'll talk about it in just a couple of minutes. Um, Oilers won a tough game after playing loose a couple of games in a row. They won both, uh, but the Chicago game specifically, <clears throat> they were starting to do some unwieldy passes and some dangerous dropbacks and cross-ice at their own blue line uh, sorties, and it was... you. You start to worry about that creeping in to the game, and they've been so stout defensively. Last night it returned. I thought they played a whale of a game. Now Detroit's a very, very, they're a good team, but Edmonton stayed the course. They didn't get overwhelmed. They could have lost the game. They won it, and that is a big deal. Now they're at nine, and what it sets up is I cannot wait for tomorrow because. On Hockey Night in Canada, the Edmonton Oilers are going to have an opportunity to beat Montreal in Montreal and for something that matters. And, you know, if you've got a long memory as an Oiler fan, you remember what Andy Moog did in Montreal back in the day. And so there's going to be all kinds of parallels and all kinds of chatter about that. And, look, it's only a regular season winning streak, but what a winning streak. My goodness. Along with, like, Seattle and... Florida Panthers, and the Winnipeg Jets. The owners are absolute fire. And if you're Vegas and Los Angeles, uh, it's time to, to put on the worry boots. I thought Calvin Picard played well last night. I don't think he hurt himself. I don't know <clears throat> that you would change your mind and say, hey, we're not going to go get a goalie at the deadline. But it's interesting stuff. And I wrote about that in the Athletic Today, about the idea that where do the owners need to address and it used to be goaltending. By mid-November, it was goaltending. Then maybe middle, early December, it was got to get a got to get a right-handed defenseman. Now, I think it might be a forward, like a third-line right-handed or fourth-line right-handed center. You know, if you if you brought in Jake Evans, for example, from Montreal, and you slotted him in there, and you went say McDavid, Drysidle, Evans, Holloway, and moved McLeod to the wing on Drysidle's line, would that work? And then if you check down, you could move Evans over to the right side. He can penalty kill, can do a lot of things. And I I think that's worth at least contemplating. I don't know what the owners are going to do, but it's worth contemplating. The top two lines of the fourth line are doing well. I think the defense is playing very well. And there's a little wrinkle that I've mentioned before, and I just want to draw attention to it. 
the the Ekholm Bouchard pairing is the top pairing. They're playing with McDavid and they're brilliant. I would not break up that unit. And then the key element becomes Nurse Cece. And last night again, I thought that I thought Nurse had a great game. The the penalty killing is working well. Scored the winning goal. Lots in their game to like. I know that they get hammered online, and that's fine. But I think that the, you have to ask yourself. You say. Can we win a championship with this as the second pairing? Which is a way different question than can you win a, a championship with Nurse Cece as the top pairing? They're not the top pairing now. It's Ekholm Bouchard. And they're able to handle tough minutes, all four of them, both pairings. And the, the Ekholm Bouchard optimizes the McDavid minutes. I would not move him off of that. Then it becomes very important for the dry sidle line and the nurse pairing to be able to outscore opponents at five on five. And right now they're doing well. It's music. It's fantastic. I don't know what to do about the third line. We will talk about that later. Okay. We talked about John Short at length yesterday. And actually, Steve Lansky is going to talk about him again today. He's got a little gem of information that he'll pass along. I'll let him do the honors, but it's fascinating to me how intertwined media is, and maybe we don't even realize the genesis of things, and John Short touched a lot of people at the beginning of their careers uh, in a very profound, professional way, and I think you heard that yesterday. I was was just, I was in tears listening to Jason Greger uh, yesterday talking about uh, John and then Robin Brownlee. And um, I thought he did a fantastic job, Uh, very professional and very profound and very emotional, as it should have been. Uh, And I know it was a tough show for him to do, so um, my congratulations to him for for doing such a a human job of broadcasting. And, you know, often that's called for, and it's difficult to be able to work through it or call up those those, uh, memories. And I thought he did a brilliant job all day yesterday, and I'm sure he will as as well today. But the Robin Brownlee information I got from Jason after I got off the air. And I wrote about uh, Robin uh, today on the blog and my emotions. And, you know, it sounds ridiculous to say one hits more than another. But, you know, John is a man I've known for a long time, since I was 24 years old. And I know Michael, and I know that that John had a wonderful life, and his family uh, got to grow up, and he got to see them grow up, and, and those parts of his life uh were were available to John before he left us um and i think john would tell you that that you know he had a great life and and people say no regrets i don't know about that but i'm sure that he he at some level enjoyed his life very much and it was a rich and full one robin is a different matter and and i guess maybe it hits close to home for me what happened to to joanne but the one thing that that i know that she would have wanted to stay for was to watch her children grow up, to find their people, to maybe have grandkids. And, you know, in thinking about Robin and Robin's family, that's not available to them. And, you know, you, you can say, well, you're drawing attention to Robin because he's media. Well, I, I know Robin. I, I knew him. And I knew how, um, and he wrote about brilliantly. He's such a great writer. He wrote about family and what impor- how important it was to him and, and how they, 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 they uh, had a child and it was a miracle baby and that added and completed their family. 
And I was looking forward to, to selfishly reading about all the uh, escapades of the family. And, and so he won't get to see that. So from a, from a human point of view, yesterday was a very tough day, even tougher than any of us thought. And we're all connected. We are. And Robin and John were well known in the community and they touched a lot of lives. And so if you, if you want a text today, we will read the texts and we're not going to spend as much time on things today as we did yesterday. But because Robin passed away after the show yesterday, I wanted to just address that. And I, I told him many times, and I will tell you that I think he was for a long time, the best writer in Edmonton of sports. He was just really good at writing and he's a great reporter too. And we will miss him not just as a, as a, um, a writer or an on-air personality, but as a human being. And we send our best today to both families and let them know we're thinking of them. Now, I heard a rumor, Mr. Typewriter, that the Buffalo Bills game is being monitored by the NFL, that the weather may be too severe. I don't know what that means, sitting here in minus 33. Too severe to actually play the game or they might have to move the timing of it. Uh, does that impact you at all as a fan, or do you care? I mean, as a fan, the weather can, I think, naturally only benefit the Buffalo Bills. It's their home stadium. They're accustomed to it. They play up there in northern New York. As a player, you know, I'm obviously, you obviously don't ever want to play in less than ideal uh Elements. You don't ever want to play in something that is going to hinder your performance. But as a fan, it makes no real difference to me when the game is scheduled. I what if they moved it to Minnesota? And played in the Dome? Yeah. Right. The Bills are the better team through and through. I'm not worried about the Steelers, and I'm certainly not worried about the Steelers without TJ Watt. I'm not worried about Mason wow. Rudolph going on the road, even if you want to call the road Minnesota and winning a playoff game against the, the hottest team in the NFL, the number two seed Buffalo Bills. I'm looking Lottie, past Pittsburgh. I'm Listen not worried about you. Pittsburgh, and I know you're trying to get a little bit of, uh, about the weather out of me. I think I've addressed that. I'm not worried. We're going to be okay. Wherever the game is, we're going to roll the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin has taken garbage, and he has term, turned it into whatever whatever the mineral is, a couple elements below a diamond. Because this Steelers team isn't a diamond, but he's taken garbage. He's made something out of it, but the train ends here in the wild card matchup against the Buffalo Bills. Well, I did my best. I tried to get a rise out of you. Nothing worked. And I'm still mad the Eagles play Monday night. Maybe Buffalo could play Monday night and the Eagles could play Sunday. Yeah, they got it. I mean, you can't be playing in those conditions because, for one, not only does it dilute the quality of the football game, but just for health purposes. You can't be on the cold like that. Come well, on, what are we doing? The Eagles can't play in the cold because they got too many offensive and linemen, uh, defensive linemen over forty. So <laughs> that can't work. Yeah, that's true. Um, Condors play tonight, and then they play like every second day for sixty days. It's crazy what's going on. They haven't played in forever because of a uh, water line leak in San Diego. But now they play tonight, tomorrow night. Then it's like it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're making up new days of the week so the Condors can play. So next week, we're going to talk a lot about that, and I will be writing a lot about it. All right, I've got a special question for you today. I'm going to ask both of our guests as well. Are you ready? Are you ready, Declan? I have two things I need to talk to you about. I'm let, ready. Let me know when you're ready. No, I'm ready. Seriously, brace yourself. Are you ready? I'll stop typing. I'm ready. Okay. So first of all, what's Declanations about today, and when is it on? So, De- well, it's going to be on at 1240. 
which I think is becoming kind of the staple time of the segment. Declinations today is, you know, without getting too much into it and being too somber, I think after the news yesterday with John Short, who touched a lot of people in the city, and then even more specifically Robin Brownlee, whose passing was so sudden, you know, you had said something to me prior to our show yesterday about hug your dad, then hug him again. Jason on his show had said, you know, hug your loved ones, tell him you love them. And it got me thinking about the things that really matter in life and, uh, you know, the things, the things that we hold near and dear to our heart. But I wasn't going to do a top five of family members I most want to hug. Oh, that I would love like, that. Didn't seem like it would be good radio. Count them down like Casey Kasem. But uh, it, <laughs> I love them, but not that much. It did get me thinking <laughs> about, you know, the things in sports that matter to me and what's important to me. And because of that, I'm going to do the top five moments that meant the most to me in my sports viewing history. Basically, my top five favorite sports so moments. So all of these events are in the last 10 years? Um, no, not all the events are in the last 10 years, but they all, they all are in my lifetime. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. I, I will pay you money to do a ranking of your family. Oh man. I'll, I'll, if you pay me, I'll do the ranking let, off air, but you got to pay a little extra. But let me, me write it, it for air. you. Cause I want the first line has to be, I don't think I can count to five. I don't think there's <laughs> five that I like, but I'll try, you know, I just, there's a lot in there. That you could do because remember, listen. If you can crowdsource the funds, that list is yours. You you were the one who said your parents didn't do that much for you growing up. You said that. Well, it was you know that's a quote that's been taken out of context a few times over the past uh, couple months here. Not sure I'm a fan of that one. Um, wow. My parents are great. Love them very much. I would hug them both very long and very lovingly. Sure, and, and that's it, all I'll say. Even though that. they didn't help you much. You yeah, because I mean, that's listen, the kind of guy you are. They were good. They were good friends to me growing up. I'll say that. <laughs> Uh, good times. Uh, all right. The other thing I need you for is this. I'm going to ask every guest on the show because I think this is a generation gap, and I always like to talk about generation gaps because nobody does anymore. When I was a kid, that's all anybody talked about was hair and the generation gap. we got to bring it back. So here's my question. In 1980, I was in Edmonton, and the Oilers won the Stanley Cup, and everybody went downtown to, to – uh, uh, Jasper Avenue, and we stayed up all night and did stupid stuff. And I remember I had a brother-in-law who lived in one of the towers on Jasper Avenue. I can't remember the name of it now, but Gretzky and Lowe were roommates in that in that tower. And I I I, I lost my people, so I didn't have a ride home. And I thought, man, I'll just buzz. I'll just wait until like seven, and I'll buzz. Um, and I did not have a cell phone at the time. You'll be shocked to know. So um, I eventually found my way home. But I remember wandering downtown in the middle of the night thinking, I've never done this before and I never will again. And we, like, people did weird stuff. But it, I think I don't think anybody got arrested. Maybe they did, but I don't think so. Not like in Ot 6. So my question for you is this preamble, I know. But if the orders were to win the Stanley Cup this spring, I want you to represent people your age and tell me, what would your generation do right after the victory to celebrate? Where would you go in town? What would you do when you got there? I think the first place, I think reminiscent of the 06 Cup run, White Ave would become, for lack of a better word, a war zone. I think White Ave would be the place that would be trashed. That is where all the partying would be. Downtown would certainly get, especially along 109 there, downtown would certainly get its fair share of mayhem. Uh, but I think White Ave, which I think for a long time with my generation has been synonymous as the party central of the city, 
I think that is the one that would be uh, burned to the ground a little bit. Do you think they have enough bars down there? I, I, not anymore. Not anymore. I, I, a lot of clothes. There's only a couple that stand out there, but it's still there's still a sense of, like, in, in so many words, it's the place to be when the, the oil going to run like that, and I think there's enough going on there and there's enough nightlife that it could be the place. Because I, I, I thought it might be around the arena. But yeah. maybe maybe you're right. No, I think 109 down there with with some of the places like the Pint and Central and, and Greta, home of Oilers Nation, I think they would certainly get their fair share of uh, of business and partying. But I, I, I just think we like we grew up going to White Ave. I think White Ave would be the spot where we would all come together when the Oilers finally uh, okay. finally reach the ultimate prize. I will tell you, as somebody my age who did dumb stuff when they would win the Stanley Cup back in the 80s, I would probably, uh, it's going to sound alarming, but I would probably say, okay, Ziggy, it's time for bed, and then I would go to bed. But I'm going to ask both of our guests today, because there's a generation gap between Chuck and Lansky. Oilers win. What would you do? And you say you would head to White Avenue. I say I would take the dog and we would head you know, to bed. And I wonder what... Yuremchuk uh, probably would get on a plane somewhere and take a holiday because well, that's what he does. I can tell you Yuremchuk's answer right now. He would head down to Greta. I mean, they're paying him and Oilers Nation good money. He's going to be down there and he's going to be celebrating. Yeah, but what what about afterwards? He's not. They, they'll kick him out eventually. No, he's shutting it down there. He's well, shutting they, it down. Still, he's doing, he's doing was, every postgame show It was show 6 a.m. and I was downtown. So what do you do when it's all done? That's my question to you. Like, it's... You don't even know where your people are anymore. Where do you go? Do you go home? Or do you find a Voyager restaurant on the outskirts of town? That's my question for you today. I hope your Ramchuk has an answer aside from, are we, you know, because, I mean, I expect him to fulfill his job. Yeah, you know what? He'd probably sleep over there. Well, we'll find out. And we'll find out from Lansky, too. Lansky will probably make a pumpkin pie. But we will find out that today. All right, it's 1218. On the way, don't forget, declinations at 1240. On the way next, it's time for Rumors. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. I don't know about that song. I like... If you're going to do novelty <laughs> records... You got pretty into it right before, when, uh, well, right I get, before your mic but went But I've on. heard it so many times. Right. You know, Tub Thumping is a good song. Oh, great song. The ba- oh, Daddy. Boy. You know, I, I used to watch song. Ronaldinho highlight videos set to that song, and to this day, some of the most electric highlight videos I've ever seen. I, I just... I, And it's a novelty song, and it's a dumb song. But I love that dumb song. It's like ACDC. Do you, what's your guiltiest guilty pleasure musically? Oh, like one specific song? Yeah, like it's a song that you, like you'll tell your girlfriend yeah. you like it, but only after you've known her for a year. I know, I, I have the perfect one. It yeah. is the ketchup song by Lea Le- Le- Azare or something. It's like, that one? Love you, that song. You pronounced the name like I pronounced goaltender's names. Lea Le- Azare? Yes. Yeah. I think Victor, I did okay. Victor Foss. <laughs> Victor Foss. Um, Okay, uh, I-, I love ACDC. Uh, like this, a man my age should not be driving down the road thundering the car radio with "Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap." It's just not a good look, you know. It isn't, 
and the you know the chamber of commerce comes out and talks to me you know uh, a lot of people are talking about the way you drive around and listen to that really dumb song but i do love acdc so there's that okay a few things to talk about in the rumors this is one that i i always try to find something for you that we can chat about in regard to the oilers so uh, Darren Dreger from TSN on Inside Trading says he believes Montreal Canadiens forward Sean Monaghan could be one of the first players moved before the deadline. So you wonder about the Oilers. Now, he's left-handed. He, he's not, his his um, underlying numbers are not cool. So that's a concern. But if you needed a scorer, and, you know, the Oilers have some issues. Connor Brown isn't scoring. Uh is that a guy you would consider? Um, also, Elvis Merzlikens via Aaron Port's line of The Athletic reporting that Columbus Blue Jackets goalie uh, Merzlikens said that he's not asked the team for a trade, but he would like the team to find a new scenario. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you could try that, like, in a relationship, you know? You you, you go home and you say, hey, you know, I, I, I don't want to trade, but, you know, I'm thinking maybe a new scenario. My feeling is you'd get a new scenario right between the, you know, well, you'd get a new scenario is what you'd get. And back in the old days of NHL general managers, you'd get a really new scenario. You'd get sent to Providence. Nick Felino signed a new two-year extension. When I saw this, I thought it was an old tweet brought back. But the Chicago Blackhawks have announced that he signed a total of $9 million. He was acquired from Chicago, um, or from, by Chicago from Boston last night along, or last year, along with uh, Taylor Hall. Uh, Ian Mitchell and Alec Regula were sent away. It was a, a salary dump. But they like him. I don't think it's an efficient contract. Raphael Harvey-Pinard has been activated from injured reserve by the Montreal Canadiens. He was on the IR with a lower body injury he suffered in November. So, we'll see. Probably plays, played last night, probably plays against Edmonton tomorrow night. Habs are an interesting team. I don't know if they're going anywhere, but they're an interesting team. And they're building, and they have some building blo- I love Suzuki as a player. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog is on the ice today. It was on yesterday, as a matter of fact. That's, that's a big addition to a team that has struggled. There's reporting out of Colorado that the Avalanche are a little concerned about the workload of Alexander Gurgiev. You think? He's played, like, remember when Cam Talbot played all those games in 16, 17, like 73 of them? I, I just don't think that's healthy for a, because they're going to burn out. And when they do, everybody gets mad at the goalie. You know, in, in my lifetime, goalies in this city of Edmonton have been accused of indifference, uh, having children. That's a, a big one. Oh, the baby's not sleeping. Oh, my God. Here we go. Uh, not being able to figure out the swarm. The way the swarm worked for the goalie is all of his teammates went over to a corner and then waited for the goal to be scored. That's what the swarm looked like to the goaltender, and yet the goaltender, Devin Dubnik, got blamed for it. That was some major league stuff. 
Brandon Carlo on IR for the Boston Bruins. I don't know about the Bruins. I'm a big Bruins fan. I just, I, they just don't, you know, and maybe it's just that I miss Bergeron so much. But I just don't see, I just don't see them as being a team that has enough oomph to win the Stanley. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it's happened before. I have been wrong before. What's your, what's, what take did you make in your life? What take did you make in your life, like sports-wise, that you most remember as being a regret? That is a great question. Man. I mean, this is going to be a little lost on people because, you know, I'm not sure what the basketball community is like here. But Chris Dunn, who is an unbelievable, who was an unbelievable college guard at the University of Providence, went third overall in the NBA draft in 2015, I believe it was. Maybe it was later than that. I thought this guy was going to be an all-NBA caliber guard for years to come, and he most certainly was not. Well, I've got lots of those. I I, I trumpeted Pouliot. I still do. Uh, Strudwick won't let me forget Cody Franson. Um I think the one I the, the one that I I remember very well because I was I I was informed by my wife. Here's what had happened. The Expos acquired Mark Langston and they traded Randy Johnson, Brian Holman and Gene Harris. And I was like, "Oh my god, they got Langston." And my wife said, "You know, you always tell me that they shouldn't be trading away players before they know what they are and Randy Johnson you keep raving about. You know, are you forgetting about that?" And I remember thinking to myself, "Damn it." And and as it turned out, she was right. She was absolutely right. They had Langston for 16 starts. Sarah Oleski reporting that Mark Shifley day-to-day with a lower body injury. That's really good if it's true. I never trust NHL teams anymore. NHL teams are, like, you could watch a player, uh, you know, get badly hurt, and they'd say day-to-day. I don't know what the NHL is going to have to do to get teams to give honest assessments of injury. But we're a long way from that. And I do understand why teams don't do it, because you don't want to, you know, draw attention to whatever the injury is. But maybe you start fining people who target a player. I don't know. Whenever whenever anybody says to anything at the NHL about maybe you should do this, it ends up being video review. Just saying. Low tide, the swarm makes me think I'm an old man. I was confused. The the I'll never. It was a Saturday night. I was so angry. They were in Toronto. Nuge got mugged, and they ended up scoring the winner, as I recall. Uh, Tr- Toronto did no call. And in the first period, all of the Oilers were over by the puck carrier who was in the Edmonton zone along the wall, and the puck comes out to Lupo, and he hammers it in the net. And between periods, that's back when they had the the set that had the net and everything, they spent the entire period hammering to, what the hell is he doing? I'm like, what the hell is he doing? Because, you know, the emphasis is always on the word, and you need it to be on the right word. And so 
I'll never forget that. And then Dubnik, for like, he was kind of, oh, they're not going to play him anymore. And then he was down the road. And then it took him like a year and a half to recover his career. And I'm like, all of this is avoidable. Stop playing the swarm. Man, those were just bizarre days. Need a right shot winger. I think they might be looking at a right shot center. That's my feeling. Because here's why I think it might be an idea. And I wrote about it in the article at The Athletic today. But here's why I think it might be an idea. Because let's say you have McLeod and Dreisaitl on a line. And then your third line is Jake Evans and your fourth line is Holloway. That's what you're running in the playoffs. Okay? Just say that's what you're running. So now it's, um, oh, I don't know. Third period, you're down 2-1. And it's getting late. And you want to load up the top line. So you put Dreisaitl with McDavid and Hyman. And don't, no, just hear me out. So let's say you do that. And now your spine up the middle would be McDavid, probably McLeod with Nuge on the wing, and then Evans would be your third line center, and then Holloway. But Holloway probably isn't playing. Maybe if he's playing, he's on the wing. I, I think there is some value to that. And I do agree right he's important. Far more important than getting a big guy. Low Tide thinks ACDC is a guilty pleasure. No way. I think anyone would say they listen to ACDC. Not like Chumbawamba or Cinderella. ACDC is a category all itself. They would still sell out stadiums. You played those ACDC tape cassettes loud, Low Tide, from Husks. So they're not a guilty pleasure? They're mainline, mainstream rock and roll? I always thought they would be like a guilty pleasure by now. I mean, a man my age shouldn't be walking around going, dirty deeds, dunder cheap. That's just, it's wrong. And have you heard the lyrics of their other songs? I'm not going to get into it. But some of them are not appropriate for a man my age. To be singing, you know. <laughs> what's that? What's that movie with, uh, oh, who are they? They're driving down the road and they're singing a Carpenter song. What was that movie? Is that Tommy Boy? Oh, yeah, with Chris, with Chris Farley and David Spade? Right, and they're yes, singing, yes. baby, baby, baby. Remember that? So good. I can't remember the name of the song, but I think it was a Carpenter song. Uh, gents, I'm heading to Florida for a Sunday week of golf trip. That's Anthony, the washed-up goalie. Should we mix in Magic versus 76ers? I, I would, but I don't promise you the 76ers will be good. They're they're up and down like a yo-yo right now, mostly down. I would travel down south to Calgary with 33 oiler car flags, travel around the city because you know damn well they do it to us from Dean. Party starts at Kelly's Pub downtown. Okay, we're getting everybody in here. Wow, Low Tide, that's awesome. Voyager Restaurant, good times. Hey, I, you know what? I used to get off the air at 8 o'clock. I'd go to Dairy Queen for a burger, and then I'd meet my girlfriend, and we would go out to Voyager Restaurants and drink coffee pretty much all night. Did you, you never do that? Did you not ever do that with, with your guy friends or girlfriends? No, not really. I mean, hmm. I kind of just I skipped the Dairy Queen and just went right home, and that was about it. Not as exciting, not as fun as you, but, you know, got to live my truth. Well, I mean, I, I think you probably had more fun. I know you had more money. Minus 30 with the windshield windshield in Kansas City. Gushing to 70K in Buffalo from Ken. What the hell is going on in the world? I was going to bring it up, but I'm not doing it. Um, 
Okay. Oh, we got to take a break, right? We're going to... Gord sent something in, and I'm going to read it, but it's going to be after the break, because on the way, it's Declinations with our friend Declan. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. 12.40, this is the Lowdown. We're driven by Wolf GMC Buick. This isn't the song for Declinations. You know what? Over the Christmas season, I completely forgot about our precious declarations, but you're right. That is not the song. Because I like that song. And I, I wasn't a... I wasn't terribly fond of the one you chose, but I like that one. I have yeah, that one's pretty good. I have I have Friday brain a little bit right now. So that's Do you, me. Now, now what does Friday brain work for like for me, I just sit and stare at a wall. But you probably are more innovative. No, mine's just a little bit like it feels like a bit of mental fog, a little brain fog. I feel a little slow. I'm sure the weather's not helping. Oh, it's um, not. It's not. I'm I'm sitting here and I'm trying to figure out what like I don't ordinarily I barbecue Friday night. I can't barbecue tonight, man. It's just too cold. Oh, wait, you'd be crazy to give it. Well, give I barbecued barbecue. like Wednesday night. I did cuz I thought, well, I took the stuff out, you know. Like I'm sure a normal person would have just put the stuff back in the fridge, but I had it. So, um anyway, this would be a really good weekend to cocoon, like to run all three Godfathers or something like that. I'm going to watch some AHL action this week, unless they cancel the game for whatever reason. And I'll watch the orders tomorrow night. That'll be a great game. A chance to break the record. They've tied it many times. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Never a 10-game heater. Franchise well, history. Franchise is storied as this. They were young and partiers. <laughs> also, you know, it, it's 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 uh, Gregor's got a piece up. I'll let him talk about it. But, you know, there's the distance the Western teams have. So there's a little fatigue there, too. All right. Declination, sir. What have we got? Declination. So, yes, the, my five... The five moments that meant the most to me in my sports viewing history are my five favorite sports moments in history, I guess, to uh, make it simpler. Number five, the 2013 Grey Cup. Great game. Riders put the beats on the Ticats. 45-23 is the final score in that one. Darian Durant had 245 yards, three touchdowns. Corey Sheets, Sheets. was the man of that uh, game. 158 yards, two touchdowns. I think uh, that game, I will give him credit... It was in the third quarter. They had a lead, but Hamilton was coming back, and they were like second and 19, and he ripped off like a 25-yard run yes. from deep in the zone. Yes. And I said, man, that's it. That is such a great play. Yeah, he was incredible that season. He was incredible in that run. And the thing about that one is I know Darian Durant already had a, had a ring from the 2007 Grey Cup, but after Kerry Joseph left, it had become Darian Durant's team. He had obviously, you know, grown quite a fan base playing with the Riders, was a great quarterback for us, and this was, you know, he finally hit the uh, the top of the mountain with this Grey Cup. He was, yeah. You saw how much it meant to him. He was crying. It was my fifth greatest sports moment in history. He, he, uh, he got hurt on a play that should have been blown down and was blown yes. down, but he got hurt on it. And he was never the same. Go ahead. I should also probably stop saying in history because this isn't exactly a historic list the way some of my others are. This is just my well, it's, own it's subjection. A, it's a Declan history. Yeah, that's why right. it's declinations. Number four, 
this one's a little bit weird, but this is Tyler Ennis. And Tyler Ennis is a name that Edmonton Oilers fans are probably familiar with. But Which Ty- one, though? Yes, Tyler Ennis, the basketball player. This okay. was Tyler Ennis's buzzer beater from just across half court to keep the number one ranked team in the nation at the time, the Syracuse Orange, undefeated against Pitt. This was just a random game in February 2014, but I was such a fan of Syracuse, still am. This was what I felt at the time to be the team of destiny. They were playing a top 25 team in Pitt in conference play. It was a tough game, and Tyler Ennis hit the shot from just beyond half court court to keep them undefeated and keep them rolling i was ecstatic it's a bit of a weird play it's a bit of a nothing play all things considered but it's my number four it's your list it is my list yes this is you know sometimes i like to try and be objective this one is completely subjective and personal do you yeah i think i do okay (laughs) number three UFC 287, Israel Adesanya KOs his arch nemesis alex Pereira cold to regain the middleweight title of the world Israel Adesanya had fought this guy three times up to this point. He had been knocked out twice by Alex Pereira. They had fought two times in kickboxing. Now, one time, Israel Adesanya was robbed. I'll stand by that till the day I die. But he was 0-3 against this guy. Alex Pereira had made the transition to MMA. He had come over to the UFC. He was fast-tracked to a title shot against Israel Adesanya, and he knocked out Israel Adesanya the first time they fought. Israel Adesanya was counted out by a lot of people, I think. He was 0-3 against this guy. Alex Pereira was a naturally huge middleweight. And the thing is, he did so well against everybody, which was his kickboxing. He didn't have that skill set advantage against this guy and Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira goes in this fight. He starts chopping his legs down. He hurts him, has him against the fence. Israel Adesanya with a beautiful overhand right to wobble Alex Pereira. Another right hand over the top to knock him out. And it is it, it went incredibly viral. And it is my number three favorite sports moment of all time. Okay. Two. Jimmy Butler's 56-point game four in last year's first round that of was the NBA great, playoffs against the Milwaukee Bucks. No. That was the best basketball performance I've ever seen. And Jimmy Butler is my favorite player. I, for me, Obscure Jimmy... Obscure for a favorite player. A little bit. For yeah. me, Jimmy Butler, and I mean this with no disrespect, it's what a lot of people in Edmonton, it's how they feel about Connor McDavid. He is my... I would do anything for Jimmy Butler to have a ring. Anything. He's my favorite athlete of all time. I love him to no ends. And this was his star... This was, I think, a performance that... It was really that entire playoff run and how they were able to get to the NBA Finals for the second time in his career. Listen, Jimmy Butler is a guy who is grossly overachieved in his career. I think he is a surefire Hall of Famer at this point. But this game, this 56-point game, the fourth most points all time in NBA playoff history, it was an incredible to watch. The arena was rocking. I was jumping out of my seat i was screaming i'm sure i got some noise complaints i couldn't believe it that is my number two moment of all time okay and number one a game i saw with my own two eyes with my father by my side the 95th gray cup in 2007 the saskatchewan rough riders did you really see that i went i flew out to the game with my dad i got to see with my own two eyes i saw the riders win the gray cup james johnson the gray cup mvp with the three picks I, I just couldn't believe it. I, I Tears in my eyes as they won, as you would expect. It will be the best moment of my life until the day I die, and it is naturally my number one sports moment. I love that. I love that for you. I, I w- was married to a Rough Rider fan, and so my Rough Rider fan experience, when they were winning the Grey Cup and they won three uh, during our time together, was, was the following. First half, uh, fun, nibblies, having good time, beers, and if they were close in the second half, she would begin to clean. 
and she'd yell down, "What's the score now?" She could not, could yeah. not watch the game. Oh, I totally get that. My, oh. I, I have a couple aunts who are the same way because obviously my dad hails from Saskatchewan. Um, and the, and I have a couple aunts who are the same way. At family get-togethers in the summer, can't watch the games, too nervous. So, I'm always the one yelling the score up to them, giving them the uh, the recap there. I just, I, I you know, that's like uh, you couldn't pry me away from the Eagles in the Super Bowl, and the the first one was terrible. The second one was was heart-wrenching and the third yes. one was euphoria utopia the the grandmaster melly mel it was awesome oh yeah oh yeah no i mean yeah i totally get where you're coming from and as a fan sometimes it's hard to sit down and uh, go through that anxiety but yeah that that game it, you gotta it, do it man. i never felt like it was in doubt either i never felt like it was in doubt i was i was just so happy to be there like i said it'll be the greatest moment till the day i die well i'm i'm proud of you for listing off the ones that you truly love and I'm yes. also thrilled that a lot of them are CFL. Yeah. Oh, of course. well, I mean, that is the league that made me fall in love with sports. It was never a doubt the CFL was going to be on there, and it was never a doubt the Rough Riders were going to be number one. It's, it's, um, I have so many memories of moments involving uh, Edmonton Eskimos and Elks and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. One time, uh, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it. Uh, we were living in Regina, and we flew up to visit my parents, and we were there for like, I think, two weeks. And one day, I'm like, you know, the Rough Riders are in town. And we're like, wow, the game will be sold out. And it was pretty, pretty heavily sold out. I don't remember the year. But um, so we got tickets and we took a cab down to the Commonwealth. And we go in and we are sitting so high up. Like you can, like there's a little ants running around. But so we get up there and there's this guy with his young, maybe nine-year-old son and my wife and I, and she's wearing the Rough Rider colors because they all do. And so this young man is uh, so pumped about the Eskimos beating the Rough Riders. Eskimos are a far better team at the time. And so he's kind of notices my wife and he's dancing around and sort of mocking, you're going to lose. And, and I said to the dad, I said, you know, Edmonton's going to win. But on the off chance they don't, I want to let you know about my wife. If this goes badly for your son and for the Eskimos, she will not pull any punches. She, there will be no kindness shown to your child. And I made it clear because I knew this could happen, and in fact it did. And the reason I remember everything about the game is the, the Eskimos were up, I'm going to say, 21 to 3 or something by the time things started to roll for a man named Joe 747 Adams. And Joe 747 Adams had the second half of his life. I think the final score was 42-38 for Saskatchewan. But he was throwing the ball all over the place. It was magical in the second half for the Rough Riders at Commonwealth. And as the score gets closer and as the Rough Riders begin to get ahead... Now, all of a sudden, my wife is up doing this crazy dance the kid was doing in the first quarter. She's like, oh, it looks like it's going to be close. And I'm like, and the dad looks at me when it finally happened and it's ended and my wife is doing this dance and and laughing. And the dad looks at me like, please. I'm like, I told you, there's nothing I can do because you know why? Rough Rider fans. It's, it's, It's not even personal. It's beyond personal. It's It's fabric. It's a part of the life, and there's nothing, nothing, nothing you can do about it. Believe me, I've been there. Right? Rough Rider fans are a little bit, you know, not all there. 
Loyal. Yeah, loyal, loyal, loyal might be an understatement. I always used to talk to uh, my dad about why there was never a CFL video game, you know, the way there is a mat, and then obviously, you know, licensing and just wouldn't be profitable is the biggest reason. But, you know, me and my dad always joked, all you need to do is call it Rough Rider Football 04. And everyone <laughs> yeah. in Saskatchewan will go out and buy the game and a console as well. And problem Actually, solved. Actually, th- you, you, th- he's exactly right. Uh, I lived in Regina twice, and uh, even when they were bad, it was the event. You could. It's like if you pl- let's say you planned your wedding during a Rough Rider game, nobody would show up. Not even the priest. Oh my good, are you kidding? Yeah, especially the priest. I mean, there's just no, there's just no way. And I don't know about the. I have not been to the new building, but you used to be able to. You'd find somebody you knew in the neighborhood, and you would park in front of their house, and they'd let you. It, it really kind of had an old timey feel to it. All right, twelve fifty two. A couple of texts here before we take a break. Uh, Alan, I read your blog every day, listen to sports radio all the time. I've done so for many years. I wanted to message you for quite a while, tell you how much I admired your strength and grace after suffering the loss of your wife through Christmas. Though Christmas, I'm sure, was difficult. I text Jason sometimes and listen to him yesterday. I was left with similar feelings of admiration for him. I used to call John when I was younger, and he and I argued once when the Eskimos missed the playoffs for the first time in my lifetime. I thought it was our right as Edmontonians to dominate the CFL. I feel for you guys, and I really appreciate the work you do. Thanks for setting a great example for all of us. God bless from Gord. Um, I will say that yesterday, I've always respected Jason as an individual, as a person, the way he conducts himself, the way he conducts business. But yesterday, I really, like, I, I just have an enormous amount of respect for him. I saw him before he went on the air, and I I, I knew it was going to be a tough show for him, and it was, but he did a beautiful job of it. And um, I know why he did it, because he, he loved he loved. He he really did love Robin Brownlee and still does, obviously. It's just fresh and new. And John Short as well. John was a mentor to him. And uh, I, I learned a lot about how he met John and when he went in the door with John. And I remember I knew John then. And, uh, you know, if you if you made a list of all the guys who, when, when, when I worked with John, Tutal Matthews, a brilliant producer, uh, was his producer. But all the people who were intermingled with John Short over the years. It really is a who's who of broadcasting now. And that includes Jason. And I thought he did a brilliant job yesterday. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Okay. Um, in hour number two, we have two guests, Steve Lansky and Tata Yuremchuk. And we're going to read some more of your text as well. But with both Yaremchuk and Lansky, I'm going to ask them very specific questions. And they're going to pertain to what their generation would do if the Edmonton Oilers won the Stanley Cup this year. What would the old guard do? I'll ask Lansky that. And then what will the youth of today do? I'll ask Yaremchuk that. And we'll talk about Picard and what the Oilers need and all of those things as well. And about John Short and Robin Brownlee. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's time for an update. This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your Sports 1440 update, brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. The hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments are designed just for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Two games in the NHL tonight, Nashville and Dallas and Philly and Minnesota. Puck drop for both games at 6 p.m. Around the NHL, Nick Foligno and the Chicago Blackhawks have agreed to a two-year, $9 million contract extension. 
And for the second time this season, the Anaheim Ducks will be without Trevor Zegras for an extended period as he suffered a broken ankle that will see him miss six to eight weeks. NFL news is the Patriots have hired Belichick's successor. Former linebacker Gerard Mayo will be the 15th head coach in franchise history. Also in the NFL, the Washington Commanders have an agreement in place to hire San Francisco 49ers assistant GM Adam Peters as their new head of football operations. News in the college football world is Washington's Kalen DeBoer, who guided the Huskies to a Pac-12 championship and a spot in the college football playoff national championship game this past year, is negotiating a contract to become the next head coach at the University of Alabama. Big night in the NBA, 10 games on the schedule, including the Toronto Raptors, who will be in action at 7.30 tonight. That one is against the Utah Jazz. Four games in the AJHL, Okotoks in Bonneville, Blackvalds in Drayton Valley, Canmore in Grand Prairie, and Olds in Whitecourt. Puck drop for all four of those games at 7 p.m. And as always, you can watch on flowhockey.tv. Finally, the Golden Bears and Pandas Hockey are both in action this weekend with a pair of home and aways against the University of Calgary Dinos. The Golden Bears in Calgary tonight and at the Drake tomorrow at 7. While the Pandas playing at the Drake tonight, puck drop at 7 and in Calgary tomorrow. I'm Declan Kruger. This has been a Sports 1440 Update.